Welcome to the Serious Security Seminar for February 10th of 2016. Uh, today, I'm pleased to uh, present Nicholas Sturgeon, who is a, the Director of the Security Operations Center, uh, manager. manager of Security Operations Center uh, for the uh, state of Indiana. This is part of the Indiana Information Data Sharing and Analysis Center. These are the people who really get down and study, discover the cybersecurity events when they happen and are tasked with doing something about it. Uh, Nicholas is an uh, Indiana boy from way back. Well, not all that far <laughs> back, but uh, having gone to Indiana State, but then quite much more recently is a uh, fresh graduate of the uh, security program here through Sirius, getting his master's here at Purdue. So with that, I will turn it over to Nick. All right, thank you very much. And um, definitely want to thank Sirius and SPAF for the invitation uh, to come speak to you guys. Like I said, I'm fresh out in the real world, so to speak, from getting my master's degree, which I'll get into a little bit more. Um, here to speak to you about the INISAC and the Security Operations Center. Um, and what the state is doing to help um, combat cybercrime and um, do its part in cybersecurity. Uh, just a quick agenda overview, introduction, you know, it, talk about the history of ISACs, um, what the um, INISACs vision and mission statements are, our structure, facilities, capabilities, and so on, as you can see here. Um, again, and I'm, I'm going to move around because I don't like to be pigeonholed behind a, a, a podium if I don't have to be. Um, uh, born in um, Owensboro, Kentucky, but I was basically raised in southern Indiana. I went to South Spencer High School, uh, graduated in 99, went to Indiana State University, um, majored in management information systems, graduated in 03. Um, from 03 and until about oh, 07, I did the private sector thing, bounced between a few different um, companies. In 2007, I um, was invited to be a part of the 67th Indiana State Police Recruit School, um, which still to this day is the largest state police academy they have put on. It's 150 um, people that were invited. Um, 121 of us graduated. I graduated um, the academy July 6th, was appointed trooper and, uh, on July 8th of 2007. Spent two years on the road enforcing criminal and traffic law in Marion County. Um, because I had the IT background, it quickly um, became known because all the guys on you know, my shift and the other shifts were like, hey, I got a computer problem, come fix it. Well, that spread. Um, pretty quickly, uh, was asked to put in for a promotion to sergeant in 2009, got it. And from 2009 until I uh, took this job over as the uh, Security Operations Center Manager, was in the IT section uh, for the state police doing enterprise level stuff. Uh, project manager, um, cybersecurity was part of that, small part, but it was part, also got into um, forensics, and actually what led me here to Purdue. 
Um, I went through um, Dr. Rogers uh, has three or four day law enforcement cyber forensics class to do digital media recovery. Um, got hooked um, and then when the opportunity to come and do um, more schooling and, and get that advanced degree, I took it and came to Purdue to study cyber forensics. Um, was a part of Sirius um, as a student, did the whole, you know, poster presentations and stuff with the last two um, symposiums. And I'm glad to be here to be able to talk to you guys today a little bit about what the state's doing. Um, so July of 2015 was, um, you know, really the the kickoff for me. The and and we'll get into the history a little bit um, about uh, of the INI SAC, but. Um, um, it, so, and it, but the INI sector, the concept didn't start with me, actually started um, back in 2014. But before I get into that, what are ISACs? Information Sharing and Analysis Centers. Actually can be traced back into the late 90s um, with Presidential Directive 63. Um, and I will go to my notes here so I make sure I cover everything and speak intelligibly about it. But uh, this directive was signed um, in 98. The purpose was to assure the continuity and viability of critical infrastructure and information uh, systems against physical and cyber attacks. It laid out three goals. Um, the federal government to perform essential national security missions and to ensure general public um, health and safety. Um, also with state and local governments to maintain order and deliver minimal essential public services. Again, this is all um, tied around a, in the event this stuff went down. And then also to help private sector ensure orderly function of those, uh, of the economy and delivery of essential telecommunications, energy, financial and transportation services, basically critical infrastructure. Um, uh, Moving forward a little bit, we get to 9-11. Everybody here knows what happened 9-11, uh, September um, of 2001. And actually, <coughs> anyway, from that, the, um, the after action brief, which is the 9-11 commission report, um, laid out several different um, challenges that the federal government, that federal government needed to get past some uh, gaps um, with um, in communication between the federal government, state government, private industry, um, and led to Homeland Security Pre Presidential Directive Number Seven, um, and that basically um, laid out. And for the sake of this talk, the fusion centers and the, the ISACs that really defined it, really pushed, and it really gave um, the, the support of the federal government to this concept. Um, and as well as it, it mandated several different things, and you know, there in the, um, the resources, actually you can go back and reference the, the whole 9-11 
um, commission report as well as a progress report from 2011. Um, so, and just, and again, I mentioned that the, the ISACs actually, you know, started before um, 2001 with the first big one was the FSISAC and and since then um, there's about 24, 25 um, recognized ISACs out there that are part of this National Council of ISACs. Um, it was established in 2003. Um, it helps between those you know 24, 25 different ISACs a mechanism for them to share information because each one of those uh, ISACs are around a private industry sector. So financial, retail, there's the rent ISAC, there's one for defensive con or defense contractors. I mean, there's um, the, so any of those specific sectors that have come together say, hey, we need to share information between each other. So they form those ISACs. The, the National Council of ISACs kind of help um, tie those um, centers in together. Um, there are, they do cyber physical threats um, between each other, kind of practice and, and do um, readiness tests and drills. And they also provide mitigation strategies that uh, each one of those ISACs can share amongst each other. So, if, you know, sharing best practices and, and those, um, the good and bad of the different things that they're trying to do. Um, as I mentioned, they conduct their own drills and exercises. Um, they also um, participate in na nation-level drills with um, like CyberShield and some other things um, that are going on at, from the, the federal or national level uh, perspective. As I mentioned, there are about 25 of them. And we're in the process of applying for membership. Uh, it's a little little bit of a you know four or five page application they submit it to review it and but we feel like for what we're doing that it's important that we we have a an official way and a mechanism to um, talk and share information between the the other ISECs that are out there um, so and so now um, Coming up to a little bit more current, there is this, uh, from this executive order 1369 on promoting private sector cybersecurity information sharing is this new term called ISALs, Information Sharing and Analysis Organizations. So as the current ISACs kind of at a top level, um, large view, are covering those major critical infrastructure infrastructure sectors. Um, the ISAL, the, the concept is, so there's a lot of other businesses, a lot of other um, smaller, mid-sized areas that may not quite fit into a one of the, the key, the 16 um, cr critical infrastructure um, segments, but still want to be able to share um, inf cyber threat information between each other because it affects us all. You know, I, I could go on through Target and Anthem and all of the big breaches, but the smaller mid-sized businesses are still affected. It still costs them money. It still um, 
can damage their reputation with their customers. So it's important for them to be able to fit in um, and be able to collect and share the, what they are seeing from the, the cybersecurity perspective. So that's what the ISAL um, is trying to accomplish. It's still relatively new. Um, like I said, the um, executive order on this was actually just signed February of last year, February 13th to be exact. Um, and also trying to set guidance for industry as a whole on best practices. Um, and I, I will say this, if there are any questions along the way, please feel free to um, ask. I want to try if make this as interactive as possible. So go ahead, Jim. Sorry, yeah, there's... Yeah, I'll, I'll repeat the question, sorry. Um, so the question is, where does Microsoft, when they provide what they see happening, or let's say PayPal sees happening in industry from, you know, cyber attacks, where do they inject their information? Is it any of these organizations you just spoke uh, of? It's probably, and I, good question, their, Microsoft being as big as they are, they're, my guess, and I don't know this 100%, but they're probably, you know, in the NCIC or U.S. Cyber Command. I'm sure they've got representation there would be my guess. I, they may be a part of one of the other because there's an IT ISAC, so they may be a member of that. I don't know for sure, but because of, you know, how big they are, they're going to be talking to, you know, the folks very high up at, you know, Cybercom or the uh, U.S. CERT and, and the NKIC. So, um, I, being, you know, again, they're Microsoft, so they're, they're in all over the place, and they've got enough resources that if they're attacked or if their software is compromised, it's, you know, it's going to be pretty widespread. So, um, organizations like that, they're going to be, you know, talking with, you know, folks in D.C. and in that area. So, um, go. Okay, so now we get into the Indiana ISAC. Um, as I mentioned, um, this act goes back to 2014. Yeah, and in 2014, I was still uh, with state police. I knew I was approached about it, and I kind of knew something was coming on, and um, as they were kind of looking out as far as structure and who, who was going to um, fit in, you know, I, I had a little bit of an idea of what was going on. But, you know, initially this was called the Indiana Cybersecurity Center or the INCSC. And some of the original documentation, you actually see this reference. And it wasn't until it got into early 2015 and with, as they were, you know, scoping it out and what is it trying to actually do and accomplish that it um, morphed into the Information Sharing and Analysis Center. Um, again, Hans Vargas, who graduated from Purdue as a serious student, um, was the project lead on it up until I came along in, in July. And that, 
And for those of you who were around and attended last year's Sirius Symposium, uh, he did do a, um, a brief on it um, during the second day of the symposium. So again, initial planning, um, go into kind of some of the, the timeline. And, and so as we get into, and, and the CIO then, Paul Baltzell, and the, the CISO, um, um, Tad Stahl, and those folks are talking about what they're trying to accomplish. Um, they wanted a, a, a partnership. They wanted to bring in not only um, the folks and resources within the Indian Office of Technology, which is who I, the, the state agency that I belong to and report to, uh, but state police, Depart Indiana Department of Homeland Security, all of the other big um, uh, state agencies, along with private sector, along with um, the you know K through 12 and and higher education, Purdue and IU. Because um, everybody um, has a, a, a some type of a, a, you know a dog in this fight. You know, there's you know from the state standpoint, we're collecting a lot of information with you guys as students. If you work here, you know we're getting tax information. If you have your driver's license, you know we've got that information. If you've been pulled over by the state police or some other agency, we're collecting all this information. And as stewards of this information, it is our responsibility to make sure it's protected. And and so, as we, as the state, we're identifying those gaps of where we needed to to move and strengthen and you know look at what we're doing well and, and continue doing those things um, we brought in some heavy hitters RSA being one of those they came in and, and did a, an analysis uh, as you can see there on this timeline um, brought them in they came in and they did their thing um, they part of the design phase um, we also um, purchased a, their government, governance and risk compliance software called Archer um, to use as completely not just for the security operations center portion but throughout the entire uh, state in helping managing risk and identifying and, and tracking and all those things that we learn in, in cybersecurity. Um, started getting the personnel um, in place with myself. We also um, hired an intern um, who was helping out with the project from the summer as the first shift lead. Um, along that, and I and I'm apologize if I jump through, uh, there is quite a bit to this, but when we talk about the partnerships, you know, looking where did we want to put the Security Operations Center, talking with IU and Purdue and and, and looking at the talent because we really part of this problem is there's a lack of trained skilled um, workforce so we wanted to help identify and you know rectify that problem and look in and said you know Purdue had just the right mix they had the right environment so that's why the Security Operations Center is located actually in Research Park um, we'll be able to pull from the talent here, from you guys, from the undergrads, um, and start helping address that, that um, shortage in the, the workforce. Um, 
and course, you know, with at the time with me, you know, finishing up my master's degree here and being plugged into you know the the environment and the the culture here, it, that's part of the reason I was brought in. Not only because of my law enforcement background and IT background, but you know, I knew um, and kind of had a good feel for what's going on in the the cybersecurity um, initiatives that Purdue's going on. Um, and then we also one of the other things, and I'll get into this um, as far, but as far as the um, staffing, um, we hired a full-time security awareness manager, and that's kind of that public out, outreach, but I'll get into the, that a little bit more here. But we're going on. So we're still kind of in this pr uh, constant state of planning. We accomplish, we plan, we, and it's just kind of going forth. The project manager that's assigned to us probably hates us because you know, he very much need to get things done in a certain order, but I mean, because things are so dynamic and fluid, we're just kind of that our project plan is constantly being morphed in, but we're also constantly achieving those things as well. Um, get back around here. So, and, and this is just stuff that you can find on our website, just kind of gives an idea. Uh, I won't go through, you know, through the whole thing verbatim, but I mean, we're really trying to make Indiana you know, safe in the the cyber domain, um, but it's going to take everybody um, playing along, you know, addressing these issues to to solve and and make it a a, a friendly and secure place. Um, I said RSA was just one of our partners. We've also partnered with Intel. Um, let's say, let me go back here. Um, we've, as far as, you know, international, national companies, locally, and I say locally, I mean Indiana, we partnered with Pondurance and Rook Security, um, Mako Group, um, and then the Kinney Group, and we're continuing building those um, private sector partnerships as we go along to make sure that, you know, we're doing things the most effectively. Um, and making sure that we're addressing the needs, especially at, part of the thing that these companies are hoping to do is be able to hire you guys. I mean, you know, I'm talking to the CEOs and, you know, the, the heads of these companies um, that I mentioned, and they're like, oh, we just can't hire enough. I mean, they're just, you know, we've got positions that have been open for a year or more that they can't fill. Um, and, you know, from a state perspective, you know, being an official, you know, agent of the state, so to speak, we, you know, we're putting all these resources in, the, you know, the Purdue and IU and all, everybody's putting this, you know, time and energy to, to get you guys educated and trained. We'd like, you know, selfishly to keep you guys here. Part of that problem is if the jobs aren't there, you know, and they're not competitive, like, you know, Microsoft out in Seattle or, you know, RSA or Raytheon or some of these other big, you know, then it's, it's a challenge for us to be able to keep you guys. Um, but we're working on that. But um, so, again, it's a full state initiative, not just the state of Indiana as an entity, but a full, you know, entire um, initiative of, you know, 
everybody within the state. Um, our mission statement's kind of long because there's kind of a, uh, a lot that we're trying to do, but really can be derived down to these four things. We want to reduce cyber risk and cost to the state of Indiana, not just us as a government entity, but to the cost to the citizens. Uh, you know, when Anthem gets hacked or, you know, Target or, you know, any of those companies have a breach or get hacked, they're going to eventually pass those costs along to the consumers. So we want to do what we can to really minimize the cost across the spectrum. Also want to promote information sharing between public and private partners. Um, again, that's just taking what's, you know, the initiatives that are done at a federal level and bring them here. I don't know why this keeps going. Um, but bring that down to the state level, replicate the good things that are um, being done at a national level and bring them to the state level. Because um, there's a lot of underserved folks here within the state. Like I said, medium to small businesses tend to get overlooked. Um, small municipalities, local you know, units of government tend to get overlooked, but there's still a need for those. So you're still taking, you know, information about their citizens. They're, you know, they're, they still are vulnerable um, as well. So there are a lot of small towns um, and cities that have critical infrastructure. Their water utilities, sewer utilities um, that they're responsible for that could be potentially um, vulnerable to an attack. So uh, we're, we're not trying to replicate what is being done, you know, trying to come in and fight with the big boys at the national level, but we're really trying to, we feel that our niche is those underserved markets, those small, small to medium-sized cities and towns and businesses. Yeah, Jeff. Yeah, it's building those partnerships between the state and federal government, uh, which, um, you know, it's working through, you know, organizations like InfraGuard and building relationships with those folks that are assigned to Indiana from the federal government, whether it be through the FBI, U.S. DHS, Department of Homeland Security, um, you know, whoever that, you know, three-letter agency may be to say, okay, what are you guys doing? Because it may not make sense for us to do it, but what can't you do? And then we can come in and supplement those initiatives. Um, the problem is U.S. CERT, uh, the com Computer Emer Emergency Readiness Team, they do great things. But to get them to come in to do a, an assessment, even for a big company, six to eight months out, so they do really good stuff, but you've got to plan way ahead. So we see the opportunity to come in and say, okay, what can we do during that six to eight month period that they're waiting for you to come in to help make your time more efficient and effective? So it's, you know, whether that's the development of new assessments or if that's taking what they're doing, modify it to fit Indiana, that's what we're going to do. Um, but it's going to take some time and it's, you know, we're still in the, the sense of governmental agencies 
we're infants. I mean, we're, you know, still getting to the point where we're trying to crawl. Um, but again, that old adage of you got to, you know, crawl before you walk, walk before you run. So, but it's really uh, building those, you know, face-to-face -face relationships. It's going to meetings. It's, you know, you know, making the one-on-one -on -one contacts to really build that, that trust. And that's part of the reason I was brought along to do that. Um, again, I, and I mentioned this, is to develop that cybersecurity ecosystem. We want to kind of get the environment right so businesses can know when they come to Indiana and they do business here and they're interacting with, you know, the state government or they're, you know, interacting with other businesses or um, the, the citizens, the general public, that they're going to be safe. You know, in my mind, you know, I, having been a, a state trooper for eight years, physical security as, is as important as cybersecurity. So when we're talking about, you know, the, the crime and, you know, the violence and stuff like that, cybersecurity is just another piece to that. So, and businesses are looking at that. So we, as a state, when we talk about economic development, want to make sure that that ecosystem here is viable for companies to do business. Because, again, as I talked about, if we can get companies to come in, especially the big ones that are going to pay more, we can start then, you know, feeding them students from Purdue and IU and the other schools, um, hopefully Purdue first, you know, and just be a little bit biased here. But things just start to snowball after that point. Um, I didn't put it on here, but I, I will um, mention this because uh, I think I'm talking a little bit fast and I'm going to go through my slides quick. Um, I had the opportunity a couple weeks ago to go to Israel uh, to as part of official state delegation to uh, the CyberTech conference. It's second largest conference in the world, um, just shy of RSA's conference, which is coming up at the end of the month. Uh, there are over 10,000 people on the first day. Um, and, you know, we as a delegation, which was led by the Indiana Economic Development Corporation, and the Secretary of Commerce, uh, Victor Smith, were looking at you know, what can we do to have better relationships with you know, Israeli companies, the government. And so you know, the whole purpose is you know, starting to develop those business relationships. They're at Microsoft, RSA, Raytheon, I mean, all of the big companies are already over in, in Israel. Um, but there's, uh, them as a country is doing some really cool stuff. Um, they've got a really good ec ecosystem with startups and, and getting, um, you know, these small companies even bought out by bigger companies are moving up to being big companies themselves. But, it, I mean, you could see that they've got this nice little pipeline and, you know, it just it really feeds itself. And that's what we want to do here in Indiana. Um, we've got some really you know, good infrastructure already here. Um, one of the, the meetings we had with the Israeli aerospace industry, um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the Iron Dome, but they built it. Um, we met with their cyber division, and the head of that, Esty, goes, yeah, you know, 
I know SPAF. <laughs> you know, I know what, what's being done at Purdue with, you know, cybersecurity and cyber forensics. I mean, so we've got, you know, Purdue has that name, international name recognition. So we want to capitalize that on that and start to, you know, bring some of the, of the things that they're doing well and replicate it. Um, so it, it was a great opportunity. Um, what they're doing at Ben Gurion University um, with consolidating all of their cyber command and all of the, the things that they're doing from a national level defense as well from the business side and, and creating the cyber park. I mean, it's really cool. I think we have the opportunity to replicate that here in West Lafayette. Um, so kind of get into the structure. Um, like I said, uh, Indiana Office of Technology, just a little background on there, is responsible for all the, the IT systems for the state of Indiana, all for the executive branch. Um, that is led by the state of Indiana CIO, Dewan Neely. Um, this is just a piece of the structure, but underneath that is the uh, Chief Information Security Officer, who's my boss. And then once we get into the Indiana ISAC, we've got the Security Operations Center and we've got our Security Awareness Branch. Um, we also work closely with the rest of the IoT security team. They, if you want to put it this way, are the level three um, system analysts, system owners, developers um, that help when we have a problem or need, we go to them and say, hey, Archer's not working, you know, and they do all of the, the back-end um, system admin type stuff. Um, so uh, a, a way to put that might be that they're responsible for the state systems, you're responsible for the, the government systems, yeah, you're responsible so, for the rest of the state. Well, sort of. We, we, kind of as they're, we look at what they're collecting through their systems and we monitor it. So we, you know... We do a lot of the level one or tier one response. So if there's a um, virus on one of the state computers, we'll notify that user, hey, we need, you've got a virus, you know, um, don't connect to the network. We'll um, create a ticket for a tech to go out to do a re-image or clean it up. But they're handling all the high level system functions where we're taking more of that user interaction and first level incident response. Does that make sense? Yeah. Is there some affiliation between Purdue and the state? So, yeah, we, um, part of uh, when we get into, and I, what is going on with this? Um, our official um, partnership with Purdue has been through the Pathmaker program which is in the CIO, Purdue CIO's office, um, that we use them as our outreach to, you know, to students to be able to recruit. Um, I've also I've been talking with the Purdue CISO to see what those basic level tier one type stuff that we could potentially offset um, with their, from their analysts to help out from you know, a security operations center perspective. Um, and so I know kind of 
jumped into it. So the Security Operations Center, I said, which is in Research Park, um, we are have two shift leads now. Um, we have nine Purdue student analysts, or what we call the Security Operations Center analysts. Um, they're contractors, part-time employees, um, and we work around their schedules. Um, these positions are, I know, at master's levels, PhD levels, if you know, it may not be necessarily right, but we do work around class schedules, um, just part of that trade-off. Um, we we typically ask about you know at least ten hours a week from them, um, and some most times we get more because um, they are and they're all un, all undergraduate students, but they're all focused in either you know computer science, CNIT. Um, ME, you know, or, you know, so, something technology related um, where you can actually somewhat make a close, you know, connection to cybersecurity. Um, and all of them have an interest in cybersecurity. So we're allowing them this opportunity to get some hands on experience with RSA Archer, with the McAfee SIM, with, you know, uh, doing some research in, in analytics and analysis. Um, on specific threats that we're, we're seeing, um, providing them projects to do that otherwise they probably wouldn't get to do. Um, one of the things I've, uh, I've initially had initial conversations with Dr. Eric Dietz on holding a couple positions for grad students to do more research, and then to also that research be focused you know, specific to what we have and needs, but also that can be turned into a thesis or dissertation. Um, so that's still an ongoing process to work through those legalities and all of, you know, MOUs, memorandum of, of understandings and stuff like that. But our focus is we want to help Purdue students as much as we can, you know, to give them the experience. You know, obviously we're getting benefit out of it as well because we're able to um, you know get the work out of them because there's a lot to it there's a lot of tedious stuff but it's important and then we can um, you know just create a nice little uh, self-feeding monster if you will um, it, but everybody wins I, I hate to use the term I know it's so cliche but it is a win-win um, it's a win for the state because now our tier three guys can really focus on fine-tuning the systems. They they can do those high-level activities that they're you know we're paying them good money to do instead of focusing on dealing with the user or you know dealing with some of the more you know tier level or tier one tier two type stuff. And like I said, we also have a project manager. Um, and he's basically his task is keep me on track and say, Nick, you're you know, you're in red on this task. You need to get it done. Um, so again, we're located at the Purdue in Research Park in the um, Purdue Technology Center, which is just up the road here. Um, we're in the same building um, as you know RSA's Anti-Fraud um, Center, which um, I, I know there's a lot of um, Purdue students that are hired by um, RSA, um, which we're, it's one of those things that we're, we want to try to continuously build those relationships on. 
Um, go into some of the technology. Um, we've got a nice video wall that allows us to put up a lot of different sources. Um, it's RGB spectrum and see kind of a little bit of the map there of how that's all interconnected. But it's really cool. It gives us a lot of flexibility if you know one of our analysts has a problem we can throw their screen up on the the video wall and everybody can take a look at it and say ah well maybe did you think of this or did you you know think of that um, we've got the, you know the networking component into the state backbone um, so we can easily communicate with the other state agencies and with IOT um, mentioned the other stuff. Just recently we've implemented FireEye um, and getting some really cool stuff um, from that and it's a really cool piece of technology for you know security reasons won't go into a lot of it but I want to say it's really cool um, what that can see and do. Um, yeah, part of this is to integrate the technology that's pre-existing and any new technology that we can bring in. Um, Archer, <clears throat> excuse me, let me take a drink real quick. <clears throat> Archer has the ability to take in multiple data feeds. Um, the way IoT has designed it, most of the systems that we have are being, you know, fed into the SIM and it's doing correlation, um, it categorizes and, and then it decides, okay, this is something that needs to, to have some human intervention. Um, the one thing that we um, have included is we were an early adopter from the multi-state ISAC. They have some technologies and appliances that they've uh, put in around the U.S. Um, we have, we're getting some information from them. All of that's being fed into Archer. Archer is going to be that central location that we can manage um, our security events from. And it, it, like it's, there are several different modules. The specific module we're using is called SecOps or Security Operations. Um, and it, it's built around a security operations center and event management. And um, it'll allow us to, you know, if we have a breach, we can you know, manage resources and, and, and do some really cool things. Hopefully, knock on wood, it doesn't happen during my tenure. Um, but, you know, for uh, the ability to manage forensics cases, you know, um, and apply resources and, and personnel. And um, we can also get down and drill it down to the procedure. So when we have event A, it's linked to procedure one and it tells the analyst or tells um, the shift lead, here's the steps that you need to do. Or if it's event, you know, G, go to procedure two. Here's the things that you need to do. So you get consistency. And it also has, as things are going, as the ability to develop a very, very in-depth common body of knowledge. So uh, you go back and see, well, you know, this didn't work in this situation, but this did. So you're not trying to replicate a, f you know, from scratch the troubleshooting process. Um, so it, it just it really starts to make the whole uh, incident response event management uh, more efficient. 
Um, the basic things, we get alerts, events, and incidents. Um, and we have our um, definition of what those mean, of what each one of those means. Um, it's a little bit different than I think the rest of the industry is looking at, um, where we're not, we don't necessarily care if we have 100 incidences. We think anything that we respond to and we can validate, it's an incident. So what? Um, it, it happened. Um, events, are, as we've defined it, are things that have happened within the sim that we can't correlate. Maybe it's a false positive. Um, maybe there's just not enough other um, information out there to really say, okay, this is for sure what happened, but at least we're tracking it. And the alerts, as I put, are like the into dispatch or 911 center. Those are the calls. Hey, this has happened, this has happened. We can, you know, have several hundred alerts come into one event or one incident. Um, so again, a little, from my understanding, is a little bit different of an approach than the rest of the industry where they want events. They want the incidents to be small and you know they don't care about the, the number of alerts or events. We, that's kind of the mindset we've had in the past, but it, it just wasn't working for us, so we decided to change our, our thought process on that. Um, I already talked a, a lot about this. Um, we'll go through. Um, one of the good things about the, the Archer platform is its ability for analytics and analysis. Um, we can then go in and start seeing who are the, you know, better of, who are the, the, the ones that are constantly going out and doing the bad things. <laughs> so we can say, eh, you need to stop this behavior. Um, start building trends down to the specific agency. We risk behavior we can and give them levels. We can also say, you know, this agency is at a higher risk for a breach or a hack or, you know, or, or its vulnerability. And then also allow us to, um, to work with the agencies on what they can do to minimize their risk. And then once, if they get to a level that that's acceptable for them, we can, you know, then give them, continue to track that and say, uh, now you're starting to go above your threshold. Um, so the second part of what we're doing outside of the security operations center is in our security awareness. Um, go back to my days of undergrad when we talked about security. They say the most secure system is one that no human can touch. But what use is it? So anytime you add that human element in there, you're, already, you're going to have an inherent amount of risk. Um, so to help make you know, you know, that of a, less of an issue is doing a security awareness campaign helping not only industry but you know the general public on on those issues things that they can do to make them more secure at home because the interactions that they're doing from home can affect the state 
and it can affect another um, business. Um, so we really want to, to drive home, provide training, provide just, hey, these are the things that you, know, you may need to be aware of, uh, and then just be a, a trusted resource for you know, the general public and the rest of the state. Um, so, I, as I mentioned, the security awareness is really, if you look at this from a business model, is the security operations centers, the, the back-end business processes. You know, the, our customers don't really interact that much with the SOC, but they are interacting with the security awareness or our front end. Um, so, um, you know, with the MIS background, which is a, a mainly heavily business oriented, that's kind of how I've learned to process things as, you know, keep it simple for me. Um, you know, the KISS, keep it simple, stupid. Um, but um, so they are responsible for our customer interaction, our interactions with the, the general public and private industry. Um, we, you know, in the process of distributing news and alerts and, um, and eventually, at, and here in a couple weeks, we're going to start um, sending out cyber bulletins in conjunction with the Indiana Intelligence Fusion Center. Um, as you can see, there, the IIFC logo is on my slide deck that's there on purpose. We just recently um, codified a partnership. Um, with the Fusion Center, because a lot of what we're doing, you know, kind of cross paths. Um, so for the the non-law enforcement sharing will be done um, through the ISAC, and th anything cyber related that has a law enforcement component will be done through the Fusion Center. But we we've embedded with them um, at this um, state campus. Um, we're working with them on a daily basis, and part of that is um, developing these cyber bulletins that will be going out through the private sector partners um, that the Fusion Center already has. Um, so it's really good news. The other part of that, and I'll just, and it's the way the MOU, the Memorandum of Understanding, was written was for the, the position that I hold, not so much for myself, but Whoever's the security operations center manager will also be a deputy director for cyber for the fusion center. So that way, if there is something that is law enforcement sensitive in that classification, if uh, some of you guys are probably familiar with how the federal government classifies information, um, law, for official use, law enforcement sensitive, meaning that it, only law enforcement can see that information. So there may be something that affects the state that I couldn't get access to that I need to know from the operations standpoint. This allows me to put on that uh, deputy director hat and see that information so I can then go back and say, well, we may need to, you know, do this a little bit differently or look and, you know, so it, it's a good partnership. Uh, it's the Indiana State Police manages the Fusion Center so building that partnership and relationship was pretty easy. Um, the other thing that we're doing is developing security training, not only in-house to, to state agencies, but also provide some training 
um, to the general public or you know private industry. Uh, organizing roundtables, okay, um, and then do marketing and, and again help with the uh, overall cyber effort and just bring up the the uh, level of awareness to the state. Um, some current projects there. I mean, we've got a lot going on. These are just some of the highlights um, of what we're doing. Um, yes, we are working with IU. I know that's kind of a, a, a sin to mention up here, but um, got to keep neutral. We are the state. So um, past projects, um, actually, and I'm, I will recognize Jim for doing a, a, a paper for Dr. Dietz's class last semester. Um, those are the things that we want to continue to do. We also did a, um, a project with IU with the Maher Law School and the town of Speedway. Um, again, some of our big partners and uh, we've got you know, some pretty hefty and lofty goals, uh, things that we just want to continue to do better and some things that we can't do right now until we have some other things in place. Um, and again, just some basic boring stuff, but we, you know, things that we, again, we've got to have a mission, we've got to have some goals um, so we can show some, um, show the taxpayers that we're using their money wisely. Um, again, ultimately, protect critical and sensitive information, stop these guys from getting in, help centralize resources, again, that's making um, better use of taxpayer money. Um, yeah, the big thing here is we want, again, keep you guys here in the state so we can keep that brain leakage from happening. Um, and then, you know, just again, increasing that cyber ecosystem. So, any questions, real quick? Nick, from where you sit, can you opine on terms of opportunities in the cyber arena growing, maintaining, or diminishing in the state? It's going to grow. Um, the estimates that I've heard, you know, just kind of globally, it's cybersecurity is going to be a trillion plus dollar industry. Um, and because of some other things that the state's doing, and you know bio and agriculture and some other thing you know even with the partnerships and the things that the military is doing um, there's great opportunity here in the state and we're just trying to make sure that foundation is you know solid so when these businesses come in that we that they know that their information is going to be secure and that they're going to have talent that they can recruit so yeah, it, there, it's it's just going to go up. Other questions? Hey Nick. Yeah, Nick. Court. Um, question for the, for those people who might be looking to get in, you know, work, working with the uh, ISOC, are there any kind of uh, certification requirements? Like uh, I know DOD does that, where you have to have certain certifications to hold certain positions. No, uh, we we don't want to. And that's kind of a double-edged sword. We don't want to handcuff ourselves and, you know, eliminate a group of folks, you know, if we don't have to. Really, the only th thing that has been placed on us and until we work out is of how we're going to handle um, 
um, foreign nationals coming in as the contractor. But um, you know that that's really the only kind of disqualification at this point because we just don't have a process to handle that. Uh, from but as far as you know, if you need a CISSP or you know certified ethical hacker or something like that, those type of certifications, no. Um, there's opportunities through like InfraGuard and, and some other things that we can do some vetting um, just to, you know, make sure that, hey, you know, it's not some, you know, bad guy that's pretending to be a student because we do want to be able to, to show that, you know, there's some trustworthy folks that we're hiring and it's just not some, you know, black hat that's, you know, trying to infiltrate and be an insider threat. You know that's all. It's out there. Um, you know, they've got their criteria online to show who it can be available for that. I mean, there's, you know, so I, it, that's an option. Um, but there's also other organizations that would be of value as well. I'd like to thank you. Yeah. Hopefully you learned something. And I've got some cards up here. I'd pass out if you guys want them, that if you want to contact or if you, you need some research ideas for class, trust me, we, we've got some ideas for you. So. Okay. Right. Well, thank you. All right, thank you.